0: Welcome to Jesus Dates.
1: Immediately I was just so angry, like I was so angry at God, and I just told him, I said, you know, I know, I know how you work, this is going to happen, and you've maybe stopped me tonight, but I'm going to keep trying every night until I make it happen.
0: Podcast where we hear real stories of how God is moving in the lives of very real people. Whether He's led them to a mountaintop experience or a long walk through a valley, we get to hear all about it right here on Jesus Dates.
1: My name is Greg Creek, and I grew up in Northern Illinois. There was a river for our backyard. Oh, nice. Um, I mean, it was like on a farm. There were woods. There was fields. There was rivers.
0: So when you say Illinois, it's not not like Chicago.
1: It is not like Chicago, no. Okay. We're about an hour and a half away from Chicago.
0: Okay. Um, So what was your family dynamics like and kind of your upbringing, your home life?
1: My mother was very religious and my father was not religious at all. And so uh, it made for this really interesting dynamic uh, in the home. Um, there were some addiction issues in my family um, that also created an interesting challenge and dynamic. And so, uh, so yeah, we were kind of doing a, a home church thing. It was really an offshoot of Adventism, and it was very unhealthy. Very, Why was it unhealthy? Oh, it was salvation by, by works, um, salvation by diet, um, one time, I went to church. I mean, my family was very poor uh, at this time, um, and, you know, I had one set of church clothes. That was all my, my family could afford, and uh, you couldn't do laundry on the Sabbath, and so um, one week, my pants didn't get dry, and my mom was like, do you want to wear, you know, wet church pants or your blue jeans, and I, you know, I was like, oh, will wear my jeans? So, I'm like nine years old, and the guy who was kind of like the pastor of our group pulled me aside, and said hey you know do you want to go to heaven well you know what nine-year-old boy doesn't want to go to heaven uh and i said yeah um i do and he said well little boys who wear jeans to church don't go to heaven
0: wow that's an example like
1: i was crying i spent the rest of the day hoping jesus didn't come back that day because you know i was also taught that like you know basically like if you've sinned like you're going to hell and so like i couldn't ask for forgiveness and then and like and like and wow. that's the thing. Like, what does that say about like the message yeah. of like Jesus? And what does that tell you about God when you have a nine-year-old kid that spends the day hoping Jesus doesn't come?
0: Yeah, it's messed oh. up.
1: It wasn't until I was really eighteen years old the the idea of salvation by faith really even came to my mind. Um, you know, I was at a at a leadership retreat in, in high school, uh, October, my senior year, and uh, my roommate actually was challenged uh, was challenging like the person who was leading the lesson and this idea of of you know that the leader was kind of playing the devil's advocate you know and making a case for salvation by works in the hopes that someone would like challenge him oh. but for me i just thought that like this was just like a normal lesson like like i was like yes this dude is preaching truth amen brother uh, and then it was um. my roommate who was like i was surprised like to hear him like speak and argue with this guy that like, kind of spoke up and then i was like and
0: you're like wait that's not wait, okay.
1: what <laughs> and so it was uh, it was a really interesting point i don't know that hmm. that it really ever it, i don't think it made sense to me for a long long time
0: so yeah so i guess that leads me to my next question where are you at today i mean i guess spiritually but also where are you at now in life
1: yeah, so I'm actually a pastor now, uh, but don't worry, my theology has changed. All of you in Podcastville, that are listening, um, salvation is by faith alone. It is relationship with Jesus. Um, so I'm a pastor. I'm mm-hmm. the the youth and young adult pastor at Florida Hospital Church. Um, I've been here for almost seven years now. It'll be seven years in uh, a few months. Longest I've ever lived anywhere in my life. Really? And, okay. Yeah, yeah. And one, and any one like continuous like span of time, it's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. But yeah, so um, I'm married. Uh, I've been married just over 10 years, and I have a five-year-old son. My wife is Gina. My son is Gideon. And yeah, so I'm, I'm a pastor here at the church, and it just kind of keeps me busy. Got an awesome team of people that I work with.
0: Okay, cool. One of them Relative. is at the other end of this
1: microphone. Her name Relative is Molly. To meet
0: her. So Okay, so I have asked you, out of all your different life experiences, to share with us just one story of how you have seen God work in your life and that you absolutely knew he was alive and active. So I guess for you, uh, what's one story and where does that story begin?
1: Man, so the story begins, I mean, I think, um, you know, I mentioned earlier just some of the um, the religious, you know, circle that I was brought up in, the addiction issues in my family. Um, it just led to a lot of unhappiness in my life, Um I you know, I just really wrestled with like self esteem and and I wrestled with um just knowing and and trying to understand like what love is and whether or not I was loved and and just really wrestled through a lot of that. Um just kinda of the 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 hurt and the pain of of not having healthy relationships uh in, in my family. Um I was just broken. Like there's just no, no other way around the fact that I was broken um had a lot of really great people that came around and supported me um but at the end of the day I just found myself struggling um and I you know I put on a mask I was kind of the class clown um I used that as a way to mask the pain and the hurt that I had I could use humor as a defense mechanism to keep people from getting too close so um you know if the situation was turning to where someone would maybe ask me a question or maybe did ask me a question that that was just too close to home or, or you know, I, that I just didn't want to deal with. I would just deflected and, you know, make a joke and, and kind of move on. And that's not a really healthy way to live life. To um, so like, just try
0: to, like, laugh about it, pretend like it didn't mm-hmm. matter.
1: Yeah. And so not having any, like, real vulnerability with anyone and not having a way to actually process the pain and the hurt and the anger and the frustration and stuff um, just really took a toll on on my mental health. I battled, you know, I didn't, looking back, like, I didn't, like, realize it then and until much later, but, you know, I was battling depression um, through a good chunk of, like, high school and college, and there's just been, a, a, you know, a lot of different things, but it all culminated uh, December of 2004 as my senior year of college, uh, which is interesting. I was a theology major, you know, and, and oh, okay. this, this person who uh, is in school to learn how to share the good news of Jesus and, and the yeah. gospel and... And, uh, you know, someone who, you know, should be looked up to and I wanted to work with young people. And so, you know, someone who's going to set an example for kids and, and in December of 2004, um, I had decided to take my life and... You,
0: you decided that you were going to commit suicide?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um... I, you know, there were a lot of things that happened, you know, there were a few deaths in my family, you know, looking back, like logically, you know, removed from the emotion, yeah. you can look back and see like, oh yeah, there were all these factors that were playing into it. So I had mm-hmm. lost a couple of close family members. Um, you know, it was, I was a senior I didn't have any jobs. Most of my friends were getting hired. Um, I had been, you know, dating someone, um, for, for, uh, over a year by that point. And I had, you know, talked about marriage and, um, and it just kind of became clear that that wasn't going to work out, and so that was just kind of all those factors kind of combined, just really put me in a in a dark place.
0: So it had been leading up for a while, and oh yeah, could you was so was this premeditated for a while, or was it like just come December and you just thought, you know what, okay, it's time to go?
1: You know, it's interesting because I had never. You know I heard a lot about different stories of suicide. you know, you hear people taking their life, and I always like my response sometimes I think externally and internally was always just like, you know that's stupid, like suicide doesn't solve anything, and like you know how dumb do you have to be to think that would do it? You cause more pain, all the people that you hurt, you know all the people that love you. That was always like my response, like how dumb like it was very like I guess calloused and not considered at all to like that person and and what took them to that point to actually want to end their life Um, and to see that as the only way out and I just never understood it Um, and then you know probably towards middle to late November I just really started you know thinking about about suicide and how I really didn't see any other way out Hmm. Um, I really uh, the best way that I found to be able to communicate it I know sometimes when people talk about getting a concussion that's never happened to me but like when they black out you know you just kind of see all the light and it just really kind of comes to the circle and then it kind of squeezes out and that's really how it felt for me is that I was just like all the light was just kind of going away and all that was left was just this little sliver and I didn't see any other option but but committing suicide that was the way that I felt like my problems were going to be solved mm. Um, so, yeah, so I I, um, I was into rock climbing at the time. I did a lot of, you know, working at camp and, you know, just for recreation and fun. I did a lot of rock climbing. And so I had some of my own gear. And so I decided I was going to hang myself. Uh, I lived in student housing uh, in an apartment complex. And and so, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so I decided that's what I was going to do. Um, and spent the next couple of weeks um, starting, I think, right around Thanksgiving uh, and just planning it and, and just trying to figure out uh, what it would look like. Uh, and how I would do it, and so
0: well, and and so on the outside, right? So you've been plant, you were planning this for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Did anybody notice any difference about you, or any of your no. friends or classmates?
1: No, because I did a really good job at at um, I had spent years and years masking the pain and the hurt um, that that I had, and so um, it. I, I had become really good at it hmm. you know and, and and so I you know because sometimes people are like nobody cared about me I know that people cared about me I worked really hard to make sure that I didn't give them an indication as to what was hmm. going on um, so yeah uh, you know I, maybe people did they never said anything um, but, you know, but no you one ever talked to me about natural. it yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I just kind of kept up the facade and I think the closer I got and the more resolved I had come to doing that I didn't I didn't want people to know because I knew that they would mess it up, you know, that I wouldn't be able to follow through on it. And I really wanted to, I really did want to end my life. Um, So, yeah. So I just went about, you know, business as usual um, so that I could
0: like with your plans and Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, Yeah. you know, I mean, it's, you know, the end of this, you know, the end of the semester. So, you know, schools kind of wrapping up, there's different projects. I mean, I was working at a church at the time, so I was continuing to do, you know, all my church functions and all that stuff. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I was I was planning it and I was I was ready uh, to do it. And so, yeah, um, the time that I picked, I knew some of my roommates were going to be gone. Um, And so. uh, So, yeah, I I waited until the night when I knew that, uh, you know, I had some I had four uh, roommates. We lived in a three bedroom apartment, so I had four other roommates and one that lived with me and and then three in, in the other two rooms. Um, so and I just, they were
0: all going to be gone mm-hmm. that night? Yeah,
1: there just happened to be this one night where basically all of them were going to be out of town. Um, and so I knew that was my night. Um, so, yeah, so I, I had gone out. I mean, I had been out multiple times to check, you know, where I was going to tie everything up. And, and uh, you know, I I you know got the rope already and, and went to bed that night and just was, you know, fully prepared to do it. I was going to wait. Um, we had an RA that came around and did check uh, at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so I just, you know, things were still kind of people were still kind of milling around. Um, so yeah, so I just laid in bed and waited till about two two thirty somewhere on there, um, and decided it was time. And uh, hmm. was and just,
0: nothing like there wasn't anything in your mind that's like was even a little hesitation. You're just thinking, nope, like I'm one hundred percent confident.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was it was really weird because I was just really calm, like, and I was just like laying there waiting. For you know, I was just like I just needed to wait until it quieted down. That's really what I was waiting for. I don't remember the specific time because I just was listening. You know, just kind of waiting for you know the RA came through, did check, and and then you know I just waited, and then it got quiet, and I hadn't heard anybody for a while, and um, so yeah, so I I decided, hey, it's quiet, and um, kicked my feet over the. I was on the top bunk and, and kicked my feet over the um, the edge um, and kind of you know my feet kind of went over first. And then I kind of you know sat up uh, with my body, and um, I just kind of stopped, and I was like, "Man, this is like weird." Because um, you're
0: I, trying to jump. Because I was the bed. yeah, I was
1: trying to get off the bed, and I like I couldn't move, um, and I was like, "Man, that's weird." And so I kind of kind of rocked back a little bit, and so like I moved backwards, and I was like, "Okay, that's weird." And then um, you know kind of came forward and just like couldn't move, and then. Like I really, kind of like rocked back and and tried to you know push forward just
0: get like momentum and it was
1: like I hit a wall and and I just could not move past this like one spot and it was always like the same spot that I like, would get to this this like invisible plane you know in wow in my wow you know on my bed that I would just like run into
0: so what was going through your head like what did you think. Well, I was really? so
1: confused. Yeah, I was like like what is happening? And then I got really mad and I I just thought, "Oh, I'm just chickening out. Like it's some kind of like thing." Like a... So yeah, so I um I rattled off a few <laughs> a few choice words to myself and just Cuz you're really, angry at yourself? Oh, yeah. Cuz you're
0: thinking yeah. oh, I was probably just I'm just too afraid I'm, to I'm do afraid. this.
1: Like stop being a chicken, you know, and just do it. Like do it. You said you're going to do it. Do it. I um I was like, man, this is really weird. And, like, tried to move again, you know, after berating myself. Couldn't do it. And so I was like, okay. So I laid back down. And I laid there for a minute. And, like, my mind was just kind of, like, racing. Like, what the heck? This is so weird. And then I was like, but I have control. Like, I mean, I laid down. I have control over my body. Yeah. So the same thing. I kicked my legs over, sat up, got to the same spot. I couldn't move, you know. I just hit this, like, immovable wall. And I remember um, a really good friend of mine had written um, four sticky notes in my Bible. And one of them, uh, Psalm 27, 4, and it says, My mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And it was really interesting because I remember that verse, like, popping into my head. Um, And it was just really, like, weird. Because I was like, oh, like, this is God. Oh, so then
0: it came to your mind, like, "Maybe this isn't me.
1: yeah and I just remember there was like this, this flash of like relief and like, like just being totally overwhelmed with like this idea that like, wow, like God, like is stopping me from doing this. And he's kind of speaking to me in this passage, um, that my friend had given me. And, um, I was just like, for a moment, just totally like washed over with this like amazing feeling of love, but that quickly subsided um, because I just was still angry and I was still hurt. I was still broken, you know. And not that I don't think any one of us on this earth are ever fully not broken but some of us are more broken than others and at that point in my life I was very very broken
0: so it only lasted for like uh, a couple of minutes or like did you just go oh, back to just bed f- and... like
1: two two seconds like it was just hmm. this really quick flash where oh, I just breathed and like felt this relief and then immediately I was just so angry like I was so angry at God um and I just told him I said you know I know I know how you work and I know that I have choice and this is going to happen and you've maybe stopped me tonight, but I'm going to keep trying every night until I make it happen. And if it doesn't end up being out back, um, you know, my apartment, which I was going to do it. I was like, if it doesn't happen out back, I'll find some other way, um, to do it. And I just, I, you know, I told him like, you just like, that's a promise. Like I'm going to do this.
0: So were Uh, you just thinking, well, okay, well maybe tomorrow night.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I was just waiting you know, till the next night and I was going to try again. Um, and, uh, so yeah, went about my day as usual. And the next night, um, I was over at my, at my uh, girlfriend at the time I was at her apartment and, uh, we just kind of started talking and, and, you know, she could kind of tell that something was wrong. Um, you know, you'd asked earlier, did anybody notice? And I think, you know, at that point, like she had noticed, I was just very calloused and angry and cold and, and she knew something was up and, you know, she just kind of kept, you know, asking asking and engaging with me. Yeah. Um, And eventually I just broke down and, you know, told her what I had had tried to do the night before. Um, And so she talked with me for like a couple minutes and then said, hey, you know, just hang on a second. And and she went um, back into her bedroom. Uh, We were in the common area there in the apartment. And so she went back to her room and came out like two minutes later and just kind of kept talking to me. I just thought that she had, like, gone to the bathroom or something like that. Um, And uh, so, yes, we kept talking, and all of a sudden there was a knock at the door, and the pastor who i have been working for at the time um, at the church uh, was there. Like, he showed up at her apartment.
0: So she had called him? Yeah. So when you saw him, were you, like, relieved, or are you getting more and more angry as, as this time is going on? Like, your girlfriend finds out, and then now your pastor's here.
1: Yeah, I was so, like, I didn't, I guess I was relieved. Like, I I think when I look back, you know, at that time, it was just more like I didn't have any fight left in me. And it you have to have a lot of fight to be angry, you yeah. know? Like, and, and I didn't have anything left in my tank. I was just so empty. Um, because, I mean, this had been, you know, weeks where I had been contemplating this and, and then months and years where I had just been so... Unhappy, and I just didn't have any fight left in me, and so he talked to me for for a while, um, and and you know basically like we formulated a plan um, for how this was going to go. Um, it was finals week, so from a student perspective, it's like the worst time to to be out yeah. of school. Um, but Mike took care of it. Uh, Mike Fulbright was was the pastor that I was working for, and um, and he took care of everything. He went with me to. To the appointments um he let me i didn't have a car he let me borrow his car to get to anything that i needed to do and he just really journeyed with me through that process um of trying to find healing and restoration um in all my brokenness
0: so you said that you broke down because you didn't have any fight left in you So at this time once you started to get help and he started to link you to that to get healing were you like looking forward to did you think that there was now an actual possible way of healing
1: um good question I don't um it took me a long time to find hope. Um, I vowed, I told God, I told Mike, I just said, i am like I may see a Christian counselor." And I ended up with an Adventist counselor who really helped me um, deal with a lot of stuff. Um, And he always read the book You Are Special by Max Licato. And that was like how we ended every session. Um, But then after a while, like I actually started hearing how, like I was listening and hearing, I think, what I needed to hear. Hmm. Um, And so it was very, um, very helpful and very meaningful to me. But even in that point, you know, I was still dealing with a lot of complex family issues and still dealing with, you know, a lot of brokenness and hurt and pain. Um, and it just takes time, you know, to get there. Um, but I was so thankful and, and I did notice a difference. You know, I um, I was put on medication. You know, I started taking antidepressants um, because, you know, and I wasn't even aware of it at the time. But there's a pretty long history of, of mental illness in my family, particularly in regards to depression um and so you know it was stuff that like you know a lot of families don't talk about it and and unfortunately then that means that the descendants become not only susceptible to that same genetic predisposition um but then they don't have anybody to help them with it and so they end up falling into a lot of the same traps that previous generations you know of theirs have done because they don't have help you know we don't talk about it um and so learning about this um was really helpful to me in that journey
0: so what made you still want to because you graduated with theology Mm -hmm. so what made you still stay with theology were you still upset at god or what's your journey with god like afterwards
1: man um so my journey with god um I mean, it's always going to be that, right? We're never going to arrive until heaven. And even then, um, you know, we're told, you know, certain people, right, that we're going to spend eternity trying to fully fathom and comprehend the love of God. Um, But we're always on a journey. And I think that, um, you know, in those months immediately following, I had a lot of shame um, for the fact that I was a pastor. I was a theology major about to be a pastor, was going to share the good news and yet i was going to take my own life um and so there was a lot of this piece of like i wanted to hide it um and it was really interesting um because i wrestled with like why would god call me to this like why would god have me get through like four years of theology school to then be like well i guess i can't really pastor now because i had this thing that happened and it makes me unfit for pastoral ministry um and it's interesting in my my first few months and um, in my pastor, maybe after about six months, um, I shared with um, the youth group a little bit about my journey and my struggle. Um, after I'd had a chance to build some some relationship with them, uh, and I remember there was a student in there who, when I shared a little bit about my story, um, I just got that look of like understanding. And just based on some of the reactions that they had, I could tell that this was something that they were struggling with. Um, and that was the first time that I had. Realized, oh wow! Like even though this was a really dark chapter in my life, like God's going to be able to use this. And the yeah. the older I've gotten, and the more you know, time I study it and understand, you know, sociology and you know, religion and and just you know, family dynamics, the more I realize that you know, mental health um, is not something that as a society we talk about very much. There's stigma that's associated with it, um, and so it's given me an opportunity. To be able to understand what people are going through like I know what it's like to want to take your life And there's some people who just don't understand it. I you know, I was one of those for some time Um, And so now I'm able to share that with with people Uh, And I think that was the biggest thing in my relationship with God of just understanding that like even in my pain like he can still triumph in that that there can still be um, you know blessings that that come out of that um and and so the deeper I've grown with him, the more I've seen that. And you know, just this last week I you know was preaching and talking about vulnerability and was vulnerable, and, you know, and very candid about some of the things that were going on in my life right now. Uh, and it's just a ama- like the connection that people have had with that has been amazing. And so it's interesting like the the more willing that I am to be real, I think, with God and to be real wow. about where I am with God, with other people, like that has grown, like that grows me
0: yeah.
1: in my relationship with God, uh, and it grows me in the community where I'm where I'm ministering. And so, you know, it's a journey. Yeah, really. I don't think I'm ever going to arrive, but it took me a while to get past that. Does God really think that I'm worthy and worthwhile <laughs> to get past to, that, to be a pastor yeah. because of what had happened? So, to those listening, um, I just want to encourage you and challenge you you know i went through a really dark um, you know chapter in my life in regards to mental health and i think um, there's such a stigma associated with it um, whether it be you know with depression you know whether it be with suicide as a society we would do better if we had more opportunities for um, really deep engagement you know with someone to help us process life and so if you're struggling if you are you know uncertain about you know um, your place in the world, or or really anything. I mean, man, find somebody that can help you process through this stuff. And I think that if you can't produce the the chemicals that you need, man, you need to find a way to to get that right. So talk about it. You know, visit your healthcare provider. I don't know. I can't say it enough. I as a pastor, I meet with people who have problems, and oftentimes when I suggest counseling, you know, they look at me like wow I didn't think my problems were that bad or you know or I've even had people say I'm not sure that things are that bad and it's like why do things have to be that bad before you go see a counselor why can't things be like fairly good so I'm going to go see a counselor so they can be really good so they can help me process so man I'll say it again if you're listening and you're battling with depression if you're battling with, with challenges in your life seek help Seek help. It's a normal and natural and healthy thing to do.
0: Don't be afraid of the stigma.
1: Don't be afraid Change of the stigma. the stigma. Exactly. I love it.
0: If you'd like to share your story of how God is working in your life, leave us a message on our Jesus Days voicemail number 218-656-0540 or Send us a message on our Instagram page at The Current Ministry. This podcast is brought to you by The Current Ministry, music by Azrael Post. And this is your host, Molly Duper, thanking you, you for joining us. And until next time, grab a friend, a cup of joe, and go have your very own Jesus date. I have one more question for you. Out of all your hairstyles, <laughs> Which one is your favorite?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't know. Like I've had a mohawk, I've had a clown cut, I've had a, oh, what is that, a mullet. A I've mullet. had a, I've had a perm. The perm was fun and <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, the mullet though, that was probably the most disgusting haircut. Like I'd see myself in the mirror and I'd throw up a little bit in my mouth. It was so gross. So
0: why do you have it, just to try it?
1: Just to try it, yeah. Just to try it. I had only had it for like two or three days.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, I got the perm, and then I shaved the top of my head, so I looked like Krusty the Clown or Bozo the Clown or whatever. And then uh, kind of shaved the side, so I had this really gross, like palm, perm mullet. It was revolting. <laughs>